Nothing puts a spring in my step quite like setting my sights on a new target. I'm a goal-oriented overachiever from way back. About five years ago, I found myself overcommitted and burnt out. I hadn't hit my goals and things were good, but they weren't as good as I'd planned for. I assumed I had some deficit to fix, some lack of will or discipline to overcome. Or maybe it was more of a personality issue. Maybe I needed to be more social, more outgoing, more accessible in order to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So I tried to change. I tried to bend and squeeze myself into the shape of success, mentally, physically, socially. I set some new big G goals. What's a big G goal? Well, those are the kind of milestone targets we set. At that time, my big G goals were about how many new members I could enroll or what kind of stages I could speak on. At another time in my life, writing a book was a big G goal of mine. And before that, completing a PhD was my big G goal. They're the kind of goals that make you feel validated for about 24 hours after you achieve them, or make you feel like a failure if you don't. Big G goals give you an external sense of purpose. They become the organizing principle of our lives. When I set a big G goal, I started to see every other part of my life through that lens. Was it contributing to my progress or was it keeping me from getting ahead? Big G goal setting is a pretty modern phenomenon. It's part of the neoliberal project of understanding ourselves as the site of our most important labor, becoming a better worker or entrepreneur. Back in the 1960s, psychologist Edwin Locke formulated his theory of goal setting. Locke's theory is based on what I think of as little g goals. Broadly speaking, goals are ideas of the future, desired end states. And that idea of the future might be as simple as being not hungry or staying warm. Locke argues that the vast majority of human behavior is goal-directed. That is, we eat so that we're not hungry, we dress so that we stay warm. We're likely not conscious that we act in goal-directed ways most of the time. Our little g goals are innate, intrinsic. They're a function of our deepest beliefs and values, and, and so we often just don't notice them. Now, my own big g goals weren't innate, intrinsic, or a function of my deepest beliefs and values. They were inspired by the drive to prove my value to society, climb up the proverbial ladder, and match the accomplishments of those I perceived as peers. In short, I set the big G goals that I thought I was supposed to set. Now later, another psychologist, Albert Bandura, built on Locke's work. Bandura's aim was to better understand human motivation. Bandura's own theories presupposed the human capacity to engage in self-reflection and self-directedness. In a paper titled Social Cognitive Theory of Self-Regulation, Bandura writes, quote, 
If human behavior were regulated solely by external outcomes, people would behave like weather vanes, constantly shifting directions to conform to whatever momentary social influence happened to impinge upon them. Now, as he continues, Bandura dismisses this notion. Don't be silly, he seems to say. We all know people are internally motivated and base their actions on those motivations. But some 30 years later, it seems that people behave exactly like weather vanes, shifting direction to match new expectations at work, capitalize on a new trend in their businesses, or try the latest fad diet. It's entirely possible to view life as a string of these momentary social influences we react to without thinking. For me, big G goals, those external notions of success, are the wind that keeps me spinning in circles. Always trying to stay ahead of the next big thing, always attempting to validate my usefulness, always trying to keep up with the rest of the pack. At the moment I was considering all the ways I was lacking and what I could do about it, big G goals were failing me. All I could see was the gaping chasm between my strengths and personality and the achievements I thought would finally make me worthy. I went back to the metaphorical drawing board. In fact, I wiped the slate so clean that I started to consider whether goals themselves were the issue. Not so much those little G goals, the targets, intentions, projects, but big G goals. What if everything I knew about setting and achieving big G goals was hijacking my ability to tune into my own values and desire? What if big G goals were more about what I was conditioned to want rather than what I actually wanted? What if the very nature of big G goals had set me up to fail. I set about unpacking everything I knew about goals, achievement, and getting stuff done. I wish I could say that it was a systematic deconstruction, but it was more like getting stuck in a pothole every few months and having to figure out how to get moving again. Little by little, I started to focus on what I wanted for my life and career rather than what I should want for my life and career. I started to change my relationship to achievement and discipline I noticed my conflicting priorities and resolved them. It was not an easy process. And there were times when I felt like I didn't know who I was or that I'd wasted so much of my life chasing the wrong things. But all of those moments of confusion were worth it. I have a better relationship with myself and my work because of how I rebuilt the scaffolding around my life. The big G goals we set represent a chance at a better life, a less challenging identity, the hope that things will be easier in the future. And giving up those big G goals, well, that can feel like abandoning an imagined future self that finally belongs. We're immersed in stories that convince us that doing more, achieving more, and working on ourselves more will lead to a happy ending. But the thing is, the story never ends. The plot just keeps on going without resolution. If we're truly going to find satisfaction, we need a different story. I started to rewrite my story slowly but surely. I gave up my big G goals and set commitments for daily practice. I examined my self-talk and noticed when I wasn't listening to myself. 
I focused on completing projects that gave me a chance to practice at my growth edge. My attitude toward my work and my life started to shift. I first shared this process in a workshop three years ago. Then I expanded it and guided participants through it as a course. I wrote a workbook and created a dashboard to manage the process. But earlier this year, I sat down and wrote a book about this journey, why I needed it, what I had to unlearn, how I constructed a new approach to goals and personal growth, and what I'm still working on to this day. It's my story, but it's also research, careful observation, and a detailed account of the process so that you can use it too. The book is called What Works? A Comprehensive Framework to Change the Way We Approach Goal Setting. It launches on November 1st, but it's available for pre-order now. You can find it on Amazon, Bookshop, Barnes & Noble, Target, or of course, at your local bookstore. My guess is that as a listener of this podcast, you're interested in approaching life and work in new ways. You think critically about the shoulds and supposed tos you grew up with. You notice how it always seems to be up to you to fix yourself, rather than questioning whether you're broken at all. You question conventional ideas of success and achievement. You notice when conventional wisdom starts to infringe on your values. This book is for you. I can guarantee you that it is different from any other book on goal setting because it's not really about goal setting at all. It's not a thinly veiled pep talk. It's not about turning structural problems into your personal to-do list. It's about recognizing the stories we live in, the good and the harmful, and responding to those stories in ways that support us and our communities. What works will change the way you think about goal setting, but it will also change the story you live in. Life and work don't have to be structured around the next achievement or milestone. What Works will help you take on the big questions that bubble under the surface of most advice on success and productivity, the philosophical, cultural, and political discourses that unconsciously shape how we think. But in the end, What Works will offer you a practical framework you can use to discover what works for you.